0: In the body, then where do we get it from the spirit? He brings it, so we have to ask for it. So, reading Keep Your Love On and putting all these things into practice, if we're not actually then saying, Holy Spirit, bring unity to our hearts, there won't be unity. Okay, we can't make it happen. No amount of doing something makes it happen. We ask, but the scripture says, When you ask for unity, or when I bring unity maintain the unity of the spirit by doing these things or by not doing these things. I feel, I found like I'm in a, an elevator shaft so I don't know if we can make me a little more clear. I don't know if I feel echoey to you, but um, I don't want, some of you keep looking at the ceiling, so I don't know if maybe you feel like I'm echoey too or what, but uh, I don't know what's up there. Is there a big spider about to climb down on me, or I don't know what's going on. So, so if you're looking at the ceiling, I noticed, but there's several of you in different places. Now everyone look up, okay? All right, now look down. Okay, here we go. And so we have to ask, but then we have to do something. And in the church, I feel like we we go to these extremes where there's a group over here that all we want to do is pray and pray, 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 and not do anything. All we got to do is pray and God will do it all. Well, no, you don't just pray. You pray and you act toward your prayers. You act toward your prayers because there's a group of people that will pray for things, but then act contrary to what they've asked for. They'll be like, God, bring unity of the spirit among our body. But then they'll gossip and slander and backbite and do all these things. you, uh, you understand what I'm saying? You've got to pray, but then you've got to walk toward your prayers. And so there's an action step. But then there's a group over here that all they want to do is act, 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 act. You know, we just got to do something. We got to get out in the, the community and we got to, you know, win people for Jesus. And we got to act, 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 act. But if we don't put prayer and action together faith, action, working together to make it complete. Okay, because I can go out there and I can, you know, I can learn from all the best evangelists, the great ways to reason with people and argue with people and, you know, present the gospel to people. But if I don't say, God, open the hearts of the people I'm going to share with, it doesn't matter. I mean, I might be able to convince them and maybe they'll just pray a prayer with me to get me to shut up. But if their hearts aren't convinced, I don't need to, you know, if their hearts are convinced, I don't have to go on and on and on and on about things because their heart will receive it. Does it make sense? And, and so sometimes, you know, I know I'm guilty of this as a pastor that I feel like sometimes we have to over-explain stuff. And if you're not getting it, maybe the problem isn't here. Maybe it's here. And maybe it's not that I haven't put everything together here right. Maybe I haven't spent enough time here. Does that make sense? And so that's what Keep Your Love On is all about. It's about knowing that unity comes from God, but we got to start acting toward our prayers. And so we got to start putting these things into practice. Um, Today, I invited Danny Silk to come and teach because... If you've, if you've never seen Danny Silk, I mean, if you missed the one Sunday I showed a short clip of him, uh, he's not like me at all, okay? He's probably like the opposite of me, and, uh, and that's okay, because some of you maybe hear things better from someone like him, and so in the midst of this series, I wanted to have him teach once. By the way, his schedule was really full. And uh, he costs a lot of money to fly him here and to give him an honorarium. And so instead, we just purchased his video for like $5, and uh, then I get to to share it. And we live in an amazing day. We live in a day uh, that we should be so grateful for. The access that we have to be able to have someone like that come and teach us here and then interact with it in our small groups is really profound. You know, people today are like, well, social media is of the devil. Well, no, social media is not of the devil if you use it right. Okay, So let me give you this story, and then we're going to start the video. There was a man that lived, um, he was the wisest man who ever lived, and he lived up on a hill. And uh, everyone knew he was the wisest man that ever lived, and they all wanted to try to trap him or, or trick him so that they could prove that he wasn't wise, especially young people. And so the young boys got together, a group of them, and they were going to trick the man. And so they caught a sparrow, and they held it in their hands like this. And they went up to the man and they knocked on his door and the man came to the door and they said, old, old wise man, we have a sparrow that we have captured and we want you to tell us, is the sparrow dead or is it alive? Knowing full well, the wise man knew if he said dead, they would free the, the, the bird and then prove him wrong and it was alive. If he would say alive, they would crush the bird in their hands and then prove that he was wrong and it was Dead. And so the old man not wanting to kill the bird and allow it to be captured and knowing the predicament that he found himself in gave this wise answer. The bird is as you wish it to be. Ah. And so when it comes to things like social media, it is as you wish it to be. Is it bad? Is it good? It's as you wish it to be. And so, today we're talking about setting healthy boundaries. If we're going to keep our love on, how in the world do I keep my love on toward people? Um, do I give everybody the same amount of access to my life? Do I, you know, treat everybody equally? I mean, how does this work? And so today, Danny's going to talk about the levels of intimacy and how there are natural levels of intimacy in our lives and how to set healthy godly boundaries around our lives to protect what's in us and also to protect the relationships that we have with other people. And so uh, we're going to watch this. It's about 35 minutes long and it'll take us through. And it's a, a several different clips that I've just spliced together for you. And so Danny, so
1: going to step into the section about boundaries. This is uh, an experience of the levels of intimacy that are naturally built into relationships, that it's, it's really our job to identify them and to manage them. I'm going to do a, a little illustration here. Uh, a little, use a little graphic that it points to The reality like this if this were your life okay this is your life this is your your little pink house and your green lawn and your little highway in front of your house and every day somebody goes by your house right (laughs) every day yum, there they go again there's just this you know you have a relationship with yum, whoever's in that car they drive by your house every day and then one day they decide to pull into your driveway you're like oh my gosh Oh my gosh, someone just pulled up in the driveway. This is so weird. And then, they come to your front door, they knock on your door. It's like, oh my gosh, they're at the front door. This person's at the front door of my house. What's going on? You go, you answer the door, they say, hi, can I come in? You go, can you come in my house? You're coming in my house? So for whatever reason, you let them in the house. Here they come, they're in the house. They say, hey, Is this your refrigerator? (laughs) Like, what are you doing? What do you think you're doing? You just got in my refrigerator. And then they turn with whatever they got out of your refrigerator and they say, Hey, is this your bedroom? Like, oh my gosh. What is happening? Can you feel what's happening? See, there are levels of intimacy in relationships, and there is a natural barrier in relationships, that in order to move from one level to the next level, there's more required from you. And then to move from this level to the next level, there is more required than that level, which is a natural filtering system that fewer and fewer people move from driving by your house every day to (laughs) your bedroom. There's lots of people that drive by your house. Not very many people make it into your bedroom. This is a natural filtering system that human beings have. For whatever reason though, sometimes we we don't pay attention to it and we end up with violation. Violation after violation of moving through these, these levels of intimacy without paying attention to are they meeting the requirements of what it takes to be this close, this intimate? Because the the more intimacy that you have, the more access you have to my core, to my time, my energy, my resources. The, The closer you get, the more access you have to the vital parts of my life and the more of a priority of relationship I'm communicating to you and the world around you. So let's say this is your core. This is, this is, this is your, your most intimate place in your life. And in there, there's room for really two people, you and Jesus, okay? Jesus and you. There's nobody that knows you as intimately as him regardless if you've said the prayer and let him in or not, it doesn't matter, he's in there. He's in there, he sees you, he knows what's going on. <laughs> he knows before you were born, during your life, after, he knows everything, okay? This is, this is the most intimate relationship you could ever have. Now, outside of that is your most intimate human relationship. And your most intimate human relationship is most, which means there's one. There's room for one. So if you're married, hopefully, this is your spouse. Doesn't have to be. Lots of people don't have that person there. Lots of, there's all kinds of reasons that that wouldn't be there. If you're not married, this can be a really good, deep friendship. It could be one of your siblings. It could be a a parent. It could be uh, somebody that you've experienced a life and death situation with. You were the most vulnerable you've ever been. A lot of people who served in the military, served in a a war, come out of that war with a, a soul tie with somebody because they were the most vulnerable they've ever been in their life. And so this is the deepest bond with another human being they've ever had. There's all kinds of ways to end up in that spot. But outside of that, there's room for more. Let's stay with the family model. This this would be your children. These people have the most access to your time, energy, and resources. Outside of that, there's room for even more. So maybe these are your extended family, best friends, uh, people that you would, you would drop everything to, to be with or to do something for. And then outside of that, there's room for even more. So maybe these are neighbors or coworkers or what have you. And then outside of that, there's room for even more. So maybe you're in the ministry or you, are, you have a big business or whatever, but you just have lots of relationships. So lots of people have your phone number or lots of people have your email address or however, but these people are, are vying for your time, your energy, and your resources. But because you're a believer and you have the power of the living God in you, you have decided to keep your love on, right? And you read the book. <laughs> And so you've let, you, you, no matter what other people do, you've kept your love on because you know you don't have permission from God to turn your love off ever. So you have to have a place for the scary people, right? You gotta have a place for, for the grizzly bears and the great white sharks in your life, right? There's gotta be a place for the scary people. Love ya, love ya praying for you, hope everything's going great for you, from over there. Because that's as, that's as close of access that they can handle, is way out there. Now, these are fluid. These, these are, um, they move around. They're uh, there, there are people who at one point were your most intimate relationship. Maybe you were married to them. Maybe you shared a bed with them. And now they're out with the great white sharks <laughs> because this relationship blew up. They became so abusive, disrespectful. I have to keep you in a spot where you, where you can handle, where I can handle. There are, there are folks in here that maybe, maybe one of my children have decided that they're going to, um, they're going to, they're going to, Experiment with heroin for a while. And their life goes off the rails, and they're stealing stuff out of my house. They're inviting scary people to my house. What do I do with this crazy relationship? This is my child. What am I going to do? Well, now they have moved out away until we find a spot they can handle. And maybe, maybe they're out where total strangers are because I changed the locks on my house. And my son or daughter can't come in, just like some stranger couldn't come in because they can't handle that level of access in the relationship. Now, mind you, that's my son, that's my daughter. They will always have that place. They can't stand in it right now because of what they're doing with their life. But that spot is open they decide to repent, they decide to get away, away from that stuff, they have access to that daughter, that that spot for the rest of their life. I'll hold it for them. So this is, a, this is a place of intimacy, a place of access, a lot of people will never have. But even though I set limits with a loved one, they still have that spot available to them if they can handle that level of, of, of vulnerability. Um, there's there's many dynamics that go on here. Uh, I, I I just want to, you know, I'm going to communicate value and priority of relationship by the way these 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 positions have access. So th- this outside ring here. Let's say that this is this is my life and this outside ring, there's lots of people that I give my time and my energy and, my, and access to, to me, like, like you. Like, like I, hi, how are you? I'm spending time with you. And, and yet you're out here, you know, you're out here in this outer circle, no disrespect, but that's where you are, you know? <laughs> and so one of you say, oh, you know, Danny, the car, the engine on my car blew up. I'm like, oh man did you tell Bob? <laughs> <laughs> and then there's this next layer inside here. Maybe this is the people at Bethel Church in Reading where I, where I serve on staff there. And they come to me and they go, oh, Danny, Pastor Danny, the, the engine on my car blew up. I'm like, oh my gosh. Hey, you know what? Here's the phone number to my mechanic. Um, tell him I sent you. He'll give you a really great deal. And then there's this next layer inside here. And these are my good buddies. You know, these are good. This is Bill or Chris or one of of my good friends. And they come, they go, ah, engine on my car blew up. You know what? Sherry and I have two cars. Here's the keys to one of our cars. Use that car until you get yours fixed. And then the next ring in there, that's one of my kids. One of my kids calls, says, Dad. Engine on my car blew up. I think, oh great, <laughs> this is going to cost me three thousand dollars. And then that one spot there, then that, that there's only one person there. That's Sherry. Sherry calls. She says, "Honey, smoke, oil, water coming out of the engine." And I think I am talking to the woman who's going to choose the color of my next car. (laughs) (laughs) These boundaries communicate access. They communicate priority. So with each level of access, this is where we set boundaries on purpose, deliberately to communicate to that person and everyone watching the position they hold in my life. See, boundaries communicate value. And so, it, you know, if I take my wallet and I, and I just throw it out on the floor in the mall and I walk away, I just send a message to everyone. There must not be anything of value to me in that wallet because everybody in this room has access to it. But if I take that same wallet and I take it down to the bank and I put it in a vault and I shut the vault, Everybody who saw that goes, good grief, what is in that wallet that you would put it in a vault? See, because boundaries communicate value. So if I don't have boundaries around something, if I don't have uh, these these levels of intimacy around something, then I'm sending a message that there's, there's little value that I have for it. See, if we go downtown to, we go down to downtown Los Angeles and uh, we find a, a building that has no doors and no windows on it. What of value would you expect to find inside that building? Well, nothing. I don't expect that there'd be anything valuable in there because anybody can go in anytime they want there's nothing required to have a relationship with that building. And so thieves and vandals enter that building and they've taken what any value they could find and they've treated that building inside however they felt like doing it. So things are broken and, and there's you know, spray painted walls and nothing of value. Why? Because when we don't put boundaries around something, We literally attract disrespectful relationships. We we literally attract abusive vandals into our lives. And so we must protect what's important to us. And what's important to us is, is why we're here. What's important to us is the things that we've said yes to. See, in order to say yes to something, you have to be willing to say no to something else. See, you cannot say yes to your life. You cannot say yes to why you're alive. You cannot say yes to your priorities if you're not willing to say no to other things along the way. There's there's an interesting story in Luke chapter 8 where... Jesus, who, who is, you know, he's batting a 1,000, right? So everybody he prays for gets a miracle. Word's getting out, and he's traveling around city to city. Here he comes to another city. As he approaches the city, there's a group of people who've now come out to meet him. Now, what do you think these people want? I think they want a... Autograph, you know, what what do you think these people are waiting for? This is a group of desperate people. A group of desperate people have come to the edge of town to get a miracle from Jesus. A man named Jairus, who has a sick, sick little girl at home, makes it to the front of the crowd somehow. And he's the first one that Jesus comes in contact with. And he says, Jesus, will you come to my house and heal my little girl? And Jesus does something powerful. He says, yes. Now, between Jesus and his yes is a crowd of desperate people who want a miracle. They want to direct his time. They want to direct his energy They want access to his resources. They want to be the priority relationship. And the Bible says, and Jesus passed through the crowd. Mm -hmm. Jesus passed through the crowd on his way to his yes. Mm -hmm. See, for whatever reason, we like to think that Jesus is a lot like us. And he's afraid of saying no. I don't want to say no, because I don't want anybody to be upset with me. He had better say no, or he can't say yes. yes. He had better say no, no. See, as he passes through the crowd, you remember what they're doing? They're thronging against him. When was the last time he used throng in a sentence? Yeah, no. They're, they're pulling at his clothes. They're saying, stop, Jesus, stop. Hey, look over here, hey, wait a minute. He's moving through the crowd. Finally, a woman who's been bleeding for 18 years. She breaks all the rules. She's touching people. She's not supposed to be touching people in that that culture. She gets to Jesus. She reaches over. She grabs him by the hem of his garment, and she's healed. And Jesus says, Who touched me? His disciples are looking at each other like, Who touched you? Wouldn't it be easier to say, is there anybody in town who hasn't touched Jesus yet? (laughs) Who touched you? Why does he ask these questions that aren't real questions? (laughs) Jesus is saying no to a group of people that are putting demands on him. If Jesus doesn't say no, he can't say yes to why he came. If Jesus was afraid of saying no, he'd still be in Nazareth today. Here you go, be healed. Here you go, where are all these people coming from? You know, I've been here for 2,000 years, people. Could you give me a break already? I I have a cross to get to. Don't you care if I ever get to this cross? Nope, we want our healing. That's all we want. See, if you get good at what God has gifted you to do, Woe unto you if you can't set boundaries, set limits. Tell other people what you're going to be doing. If you can't protect your yes, if you can't protect your priorities, if you can't say no. See, as soon as you get good at fixing broken things, guess who's looking for you? Broken things. It's a powerful lesson in creating healthy relationships is understanding that it's your job, your job to protect your connection to God. It's your job to protect your connection to your spouse. It's your job to manage your relationship with your children. It's your job to manage your time. It's your job to manage your finances. It's your job to manage your health. It's your job to communicate the levels of intimacy and the priorities in that because desperate people will put a demand to get what they need. And if you don't protect what's in there, it's not gonna be in there for very long. You won't have any time. You won't have any health. You won't have any resources because people aren't evil, but sometimes they just want what they can get. So you had better manage yourself I think something that important that we'll be covering in this segment is really how to set limits. How do, how do you communicate limits? What is, it, what is it coming from? What is a, um, a right motive? What is a right f- uh, frame of mind? When you're communicating that uh, I'm, I'm separating uh, levels of access uh, amongst people I care about, you know, uh, in uh, chapter, a- Acts chapter 6, there's a, there's a scene where, where the apostles have uh, been walking with these, with these new converts. And, uh, you know, the day of Pentecost is poured out, and there's thousands of people that are added to the church. And one day, you see the apostles come out. I just imagine it being Peter that's talking. He says, uh, I just want everybody to know... That, uh, you know, we've been waiting on tables. We've been, you know, listening to you guys for quite a while. And uh, we're not going to be doing that anymore. As a matter of fact, we are going to be praying and studying. That's what we're going to be doing. We have some other guys, though. Stephen, come here. Here's Stephen. Stephen and his friends. They will be taking care of the tables from now on. They'll be waiting on you. These are really good guys. And you can see, you know, people out in the audience. Huh. There's just one guy sitting at the table. Peter, excuse me, you mean uh, you're not gonna be waiting on all their tables anymore. You're still coming to my table though, right? (laughs) Nope, sorry, none of the tables. Praying, studying, that's all we'll be doing. We're apostles now. (laughs) Oh, oh, you're all apostle now. (laughs) Oh, you're too good for us, that's what you're saying. Well, fine, buddy. You know, I've been here since the upper room, okay? I'm not one of these new people. Whatever. Fine. You go do what you got to do. Me and my family, we're going to go to a... Well, there is no other churches yet, but as soon as there are, we're going, yeah? When you set limits with people, don't expect them to be happy. People, When you you separate out who has access and who doesn't, don't expect people to jump for joy. They're not going to be jumping for joy, especially if they got bumped a ring, right? People aren't going to believe that you can set a limit. They're going to keep coming. They're going to keep coming. So when your no is a no, it's going to be tested. And when your yes is a yes, it's going to be tested. So let's talk a little bit about what do we do when people have access to our, our lives that um, th- they're not very careful with that access? They're not very, they're not very careful with the, the responsibility of being this close. You know, we, we have people that sometimes they're close to us and they get disrespectful. They get, they get irresponsible. They, they abuse the place that they have with us. Well, remember back in chapter one where we talked about triangulation. We talked about triangulation where people want to pretend that they're a victim. I'm a victim because somebody is, is, is violating that spot that I've given them. And so instead of confronting that person, setting a limit, I began to go, oh. This person this person is a bad guy this person's a bad guy and so in flies from wherever a rescuer now how many of you have ever seen the the trunk monkey videos if you haven't seen them just jot that down trunk monkey <laughs> and watch these videos these are hilarious there's a guy who's stuck in you know he he uh, he must have offended a driver and this guy cuts him off and he gets out of his truck, and he's this big, you know, looks like a, you know, truck driver or something. And he comes over, and he's yelling at this guy who's sitting in his car, like, oh, 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 oh. And the guy's like, what? You want some of this? And he's screaming and yelling and the guy's like, oh, oh. And he puts his handkerchief up on the windshield or the window so he can't see him. Oh, oh, oh. The guy's like, what? Get out of your car. Come here. And then finally, he reaches over, and he pushes the trunk monkey button. And his trunk pops open. And this monkey gets out of the back, comes up behind the guy, and knocks him out with a crowbar. And the guy's, you know, and he's like, all right. He high fives the monkey, says, back in the trunk. And this is that triangulation thing where I got this big, terrible person in my life. I don't know what to do with them. And I just pray, Jesus, be my trunk monkey and come take him out. And you know what? Here's the truth. Jesus isn't gonna be your trunk monkey. You're gonna to have to confront people. You're gonna to have to tell them the truth. You're gonna find out the strength of your connection with people as soon as you tell them the truth. I know it's, 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 it seems acceptable to create kind of a mirage set of relationships because we don't have any conflict. Well, there's an excellent chance that if somebody is violating the relationship, and they still have this mirage relationship, it's because you're not telling the truth. You're not telling them the truth. So when we talk about setting boundaries, when we talk about what a boundary is, a boundary is something that keeps in my life what I want to keep in my life. So what do I wanna keep in my life? Well, I wanna keep my joy, I wanna keep my peace, I wanna keep my love, I wanna keep my time, I wanna keep my money, I wanna keep, you know, I wanna keep things in my life. So imagine that you have a toddler and you wanna let them out in the yard to play. Well, you had better have a boundary, you'd better have a fence to keep them in or else they're gonna just keep on going until they find danger, huh? So boundaries keep in your life what you wanna keep in. At the same time, they're gonna keep out of your life what you want to keep out. So I wanna keep out disrespect. I wanna keep irresponsibility away from me. I wanna keep um, time-consuming, high-maintenance relationships. I wanna keep those away. There's things that I need to keep out of my life. So the same fence, the same boundary that keeps the toddler safe and keeps it in is the same fence that keeps the Rottweiler away from the toddler. So the boundaries keep in my life what I wanna keep in. They keep out of my life what I wanna keep out. They communicate priorities, and, and by priorities, I mean my time, my energy, my resources, and my relationships. These are what my boundaries are going keep to keep in my life, is control of my time, control of my resources, control of my energy, and control of my priority relationships. These are, the, these are, these are what boundaries do. So when we talk about Setting limits, this is what I mean. I mean keeping in, keeping out, and protecting my priorities. Now, likewise, we're going to have some skills that we're going to have to develop. So there're going to be some things that we, we look at differently, we, we think about differently. Because if, you, if you're having a hard time setting a boundary in your life, it, it's probably because of this first one. And that is, you're gonna have to learn to require respect for things that are important to you. And if, you, if you're having a hard time valuing what's in your life, then you're sending a message to people around you that there's nothing required to come take it. Kind of like that building that has no windows and so, no doors. That building is sending a message to everyone who walks by, nothing's required to have a relationship with this building. And so, if you are, if you're unable to say no and mean no because you feel guilty, because you feel like it's uh, it's selfish, it's uh, well, I, I I did have I did have some money, and I I just didn't want to give it to that person, you know. I I I I said I said yes when I meant no. I I remember a guy who had a uh, a pickup truck, and he got a bumper sticker, and he put it on there. He said, "Yes, this is my truck. No, I won't help you move." <laughs> like right? I mean, he stuck it right on there and just said there, there, because why? Because when you have a pickup, what everybody who needs to move goes, "Hey, hey!" And so just because you have a pickup does not mean you went into the moving business. <laughs> but some people are gonna, there's an opportunity for me. You, you, you look like you're affording me an opportunity because you got a pickup. No, no, I didn't. No. But if you don't value your time, if you don't value your priorities, then anybody, anybody, and if you live in a church community, there's lots of somebodies. There's lots of people that need to move, right? So they go, "Hey, uh, I was wondering if I could uh get you to help me move." Uh, well, uh, sure. <laughs> I, you know, I have a birthday party tomorrow with my uh with my with my daughter, but um, maybe I could do it afterwards. Well, what time's the birthday party? Uh, about 10 o'clock. Well, let's move in the morning. (laughs) Ah, well, tomorrow's my day off. Mine too. (laughs) How about six o'clock? In the morning? (laughs) Yeah, yeah, I'm an early riser. Uh, okay. (laughs) Hey, um, you know... I'm a little short on cash. Could you fill it up with gas before you come over? You want me to pay for the gas? Yeah, if you could. I mean, it's a nice truck. I'm sure you can afford it. Okay. (laughs) See, if you don't value what's in here, then the demands from the outside will be directing you like a video game. So you, you, you need to learn how to communicate the value that you do have by the no that you have, by the yes that you have. These, these, are, these are speaking the truth in love. This is speaking the truth in love. I'm telling you the truth because sure is a lie. And then I, I think I'm Powerless. And then I'll, I'll, be, I'll be blaming him for why I was late to my daughter's birthday party. And now I'm in trouble with my wife. But it wasn't my fault. I mean, I can't believe that guy asked me. I can't believe that guy asked me to move. Can you believe he asked me to move on my daughter's birthday? I can't even believe he asked me. <laughs> believe it. <laughs> There's lots of pickups in the world. Uh, Yes, I'll help you move next Wednesday. Oh, I got to be out by Saturday afternoon. Dang. (laughs) (laughs) What are you going to do? Well, I was going to ask you to move me. How'd that work out? (laughs) My truck's busy that day you have that kind of power, you have that kind of no, that kind of yes. Learn to require respect for what's in your life and communicate it through how you use your yes and your no. Get good at telling other people what you're going to do instead of what they have to do. Remember, you don't control anybody else. On a good day, you control you, right? So this is where you stay powerful and you let other people know what you're gonna do. I will be glad to help you move on Wednesday. My my truck will be available Saturday afternoon if you can find a driver that I know that I would trust my vehicle to, which is another way of saying not you. (laughs) I will let you know what I will do I'm not gonna try to tell you what you have to do. Well, you have to be really careful with my truck and you have to bring it back on time and you have to put gas in it and you have to, you have to, you have to, because how much control do you have over any of that? No. I'll be glad to let you borrow my truck. I'll be glad to help you move here. I'm gonna tell you what I will do. I'm not gonna tell you what you have to do. And please understand that it's your actions that mean something, not your words. See, over and over what happens in our relationships is that we, you know, we mean to say yes, we're gonna say yes, I wanna say yes. I'm, be careful, because I'm gonna say yes. I'm this close to saying yes. Guess what you haven't done yet? You haven't said yes. How do we know that you said yes? Because that's what you're doing. That's what you're protecting. That's what you're communicating is important to you. And so it's not your words that people believe, it's your actions. What changes relationship is your actions. The first time you say to someone, I'll be glad to finish this conversation, as long as it's respectful, as long as it stays respectful, um, they're not gonna believe what you've, what you've said because it, it's, not, it's not true yet. So when you say, I'll be glad to finish this conversation, and no matter how upset you are, I understand as long as it stays respectful. Now that person that is struggling with being respectful when they get upset is gonna have a different experience of you as soon as you leave the room because the conversation was disrespectful. There's this amazing thing that happens. Everywhere your feet go, your ears go with them, you know? And so it's an amazing thing, when you leave a room, your (laughs) ears get further and further away from that person's disrespectful mouth. It's really helpful, it's really helpful. Now the next time this exchange begins, and the person who's having a struggle with their respect level when they get upset, when they hear another, I'll be glad to finish this conversation as long as it stays respectful. They have a, they, they have a memory. They, they, they think back, wait a second, okay, last time they said this, they actually meant it. They actually did it. Now, now I have a different response to you because I want you to stay in the room because I want to finish this conversation. I would like to get some closure on this. And so the practice, the behavior, the actions, that's what changes relationship. Not your words, not your threats, not your tears, not your begging, it's your actions. So when you set boundaries, please be prepared to take action, to back up what you set out there, To communicate with behavior, not simply threats or being upset.
0: Well, that was easy to listen to. Harder to live out. You got to keep in mind, if this is the first time you've been here, um, this message is in context. Okay, and so we've already talked about um, pursuing connection with other people, because a message like this could be taken as very selfish, um, but we understand it in the context of everything else we've talked about so far. And, you know, even the idea that I wanna keep my time and my money and my life doesn't mean I don't ever wanna give money or give time. I just wanna be in control of where it goes. And so um, I wanna do good, because you can't say yes to everything. I mean, even as a church, we have to decide What are we going to say yes to? Every ministry that comes knocking on our door saying, hey, we wanted you to take an offering for us. We can't say yes to every offering because then eventually there will be nothing. And so we have to choose what we're going to say yes to and what we're going to say no to. We try to empower you even in ministry. The idea of having one-year ministries where you can, at the end of that year, decide to say no. Now, some of you feel guilty saying no. And so you don't say no. You say, sure. (laughs) And then the church is so evil because it steals all of your time. We're trying to help you choose yes or no. Now, if everyone says no, I don't want to serve in the nursery. That's all our rights to do. But then when we decide we will no longer offer a nursery, we can't say, what kind of church doesn't offer a nursery? Well, the kind where everyone said no. And so we as leaders have to decide what we can say yes to and no to based on what we say yes and no to. And so these are such powerful truths that I hope we learn to apply to our lives and live out in a godly way, in a respectful way, and in an honoring way. And so I want to invite you to stand. Next week, we're going to wrap up this series. We're not going to put the series away until Jesus comes, because for the rest of our lives, we're going to be learning this, um, because there will always be people that we need to be in relationship with. And we're going to be learning it. But next week, we're going to really wrestle with the question about, uh, did I learn to love? Did I learn to love? Because at the end of the day, that's what this is all about. It's about learning to keep my love on. And so in the midst of all of these principles and all these things I've learned, am I learning to love? And that's what we're going to challenge each other with next week. And so we want to invite you to be a part of it. I'm going to say a prayer, uh, a blessing over you as a body. And, uh, We're going to have our prayer team here in the front, as we always do, just because we don't want you to leave here feeling like you didn't have an opportunity to be prayed for for whatever reason. And so whatever's going on in your life, you need healing, you need just someone to agree with you for something. Uh, We're going to be here in the front, the prayer team, and we want to give you that opportunity at the end of the service. And so after I pray, uh, if you need to be dismissed, just do it quietly. Let us be able to pray uh, for those that are here. And uh, if you want prayer, please come and find us. And so, Father, thank you for the things that you have demonstrated for us. While we were your enemies, you demonstrated what it meant to pursue, to connect, to love. You didn't love us because our actions were loving. You didn't love us because we were well-behaved. God, you put your love on and you kept it on because you are love. And we are your children, and your word says that you have put your love in our hearts so that we in turn can take the love that you have showed us and give it to others. And God, we, we make mistakes, we fall short of that, but we're no longer going to excuse it. We're no longer going to blame others. God, we're going to take responsibility for our lives because you have put your spirit in us and he is a spirit of self-control. So we are always able to control our, our words, our actions, even our emotions. God, we're able to lead our emotions now because you have empowered us through your word, through your spirit. And so Holy Spirit, help us now to make application. For our lives, help us to put these things into practice regularly. God, as a body, help us to make it easy for one another to put these things into practice in our relationships. Holy Spirit, we continue to ask that you would unify us as a body and help us to act accordingly to maintain the unity that you provide with gentleness, with respect, with honor, with love towards one another. Now, God, I pray your blessing over this body today. Lord, I ask that you would bless them and keep them. I ask that you would cause your face to shine on them, that you'd lift up your countenance upon them. God, that you'd give them peace. Be gracious to them in every way I pray. In Jesus' name, amen. Men, our prayer team will be here for you if you need prayer. Otherwise, God bless you as you go today.